Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Nigel Hart, Managing Director of Nexus Creative, a business who provides marketing, campaign, engagement, and websites development. Nigel, hello. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the program today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Oh, crikey. That's an interesting one. Um, well, I guess uh, if I look at myself as a, a leader, um, I find it quite odd to be asked that question, really, because I don't really see myself mm-hmm, as a leader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as a managing director, I suppose I have to take that role. But um, I suppose uh, the way I see a leader, it's about leading by example and leading from the front and being prepared to do um, pretty much everything that needs to be done in the business, even though you have people around you that are paid to do that with you. I think as long as you're willing to roll your sleeves up and and get involved, I think it kind of gives the right impression for everybody else. And how would you describe your day-to-day leadership style? Uh, Very relaxed, if I'm honest. Uh, We have um, off-the-cuff meetings about um, the clients that we're working with. Uh, They're not really very formal, everything is very relaxed, everybody knows what they're meant to do during the day and the outcomes that they need to achieve and, um, you know, assuming that goes uh, to plan, uh, everybody gets on and does their their work. I mean, I have to get involved in certain projects as things change and and evolve, but really everybody has their own slot and their own um, roles and uh, expectations and and, and they kind of get on and do them. Sometimes leaders have a difficulty in stepping back. Do you ever find this, uh, that you've delegated something and you just want to get stuck in? I think that's only natural when you're a business owner. I think uh, you like to be involved with most things. But I suppose I've been in business for for so long now, I realize that I can't do it all. Yes. uh, Despite trying to. Um, (laughs) uh, And I think I suppose you you rely on the team and you give them the trust to be able to to deliver what they're expected. And, And everybody does that, so I don't really have to kind of get involved in too many projects. Let's uh, go back to the beginning of your career when you were first starting out in the world of work. Uh, was there any particular influence on the way that you lead today? Anyone who shaped uh, your leadership style? Uh, not really at all. Um, I, was, I started business by, by accident, really. Uh, I left university and I've been traveling up and down uh, with my best friend uh, to university every day. And we had loads of great ideas and we thought, well, um, let's start a magazine. Let's do something really creative. and um, one job led to another, um, and before we realised, before long, we realised we hadn't kind of got round to designing the job. We'd done loads of freelance work, and, <laughs> and the business had started. So there wasn't really anything <laughs> leading me into business. It was just purely by accident. And um, I suppose twenty-five years later, uh, obviously doing something right. Exactly. Um, now, of course, uh, any business uh, is operated by human beings. And of course, human beings are uh, not infallible. Sometimes they uh, are not at their best uh, and uh, they can have issues with each other or uh, become ill or or fall behind in in various ways. How do you cope with these issues within a business? I think communication is everything really in in this instance. Um, If somebody's got a a problem or they feel a, a kind of struggling with a project, then they just need to talk to me about it and then we can work on a, uh, a solution for it really mm-hmm. whether that means buying an extra support or you know sending them on um, 
courses to find some extra knowledge to help them do their job properly or in a different way. Um, you know, that's, that's you know, as long as there's communication about the issue, then we can we can resolve it. Now, every day there are new people entering the field of work, uh, and I'm, I'm sure within your own business, you you do take on people at a at a regular interval. What's the first piece of advice that you give to a young person just entering the world of work? Right. Uh, I suppose I try and give them a safe environment that they can make mistakes, um, not to worry too much about um, yeah, the, the details, really. when Because we, we've got a creative space. You want people to kind of experiment. You want people to try things differently. Right. And quite often that kind of leads on to, you know, bigger, bolder, different ideas that you've never thought of. So you've got to give them that freedom to be able to um, kind of experiment. And um, it kind of, that nurtures their kind of creativity. Now, uh, going back directly towards leadership, if I was to press you to identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Um, oh, Christ. Tricky, I know. Very, very tricky. <laughs> I don't know where to start on that one. Um, well, there's still so people at, to choose from, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I suppose you, you've got to look at some of the political leaders of the past and the way that they've kind of changed the world. Uh, I, I, I couldn't name any specifically, but, you know, you look at some people who've you know, been involved in changing people's lives, I think, far more than business. I think that's probably what I respect. Now, what sort of leaders within the world of business uh, do you find inspirational? Well, I suppose um, the first one that springs to mind is Richard Branson. Uh, I right. think uh, his ability to uh, not take himself too seriously and develop that uh, public persona of somebody you know is willing to roll his sleeves up and, you know, do whatever he needs to do to raise awareness of his business and the, the team that's around him. I think, I think from that point of view, I'm quite inspired by his willingness to step forward into the, the limelight. I think quite often as um, you know, leaders and managing directors, you, you kind of quite often sit back behind the uh, board table and, and assume that the business is going to kind of promote itself. But um, I think anyone who's willing to step forward into the limelight is, is a brave person. Do you find that you do that within your own business? Uh, from time to time, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're quite modest as a, a team. We don't really think about the the good work that we do. And we keep, keep those sort of stories quite close to our chest. But um, yeah, from time to time, I find that I'm, I'm pulled forward and have to be in the, the limelight. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, talking today. I mean, it's, it's not something that we do on a regular basis. But um, mm-hmm. talking about our, ourselves as an organisation is, is quite unusual for us. But. Well, tell us a bit a, a bit more about Nexus Creative. Uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about it. Uh, well, we we call ourselves a marketing agency, but I think probably nowadays we're more business development. Um, we found that with all the work that we were doing with uh, our clients and our customers, more often than not, they had a need to solve a problem. Um, sometimes they knew what the problem is, sometimes they didn't know what the problem is. And I suppose our involvement with them on a long-term basis, working as a, a partnership with them, allows us to look at their long-term goals and work out the best method to achieve that. Sometimes it is purely just the development of a website. Sometimes it might be something more technical from a, like a web application point of view and, right. and software. And then it's just a case of developing those foundations or the touch points with the um with the customers and then 
reaching out through campaigns and normally multi-channel complaint campaigns to to drive drive the um, audience to the um, to the touch points. Now, unfortunately, our time together is uh, very quickly drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next twelve months have in store uh, for Nexus Creative? Well, uh, a lot of the work that we do at the moment is about developing systems and processes um, for for our customers, and uh, we found that almost productizing those um, elements is something that our customers require. They don't always necessarily want our involvement in everyday marketing, but they need our input on how to reach the marketplace, what sort of subjects they need to talk to uh, their individual audiences. So a lot of our work is about developing systems that we can then embed within the customer to allow them to do their own marketing with the support of us and our team. So it's a, it's a case of developing that those systems further. Well, Nigel, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much would like to have you back on the program in the near future. Nigel, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. That was Nigel Hart, Managing Director of Nexus Creative. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team, when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, <laughs> one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. 
Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. On me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict. But at a time, you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. 
And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay, he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I 
did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. He's back starting this week over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe 
uh, it has a, a helpful effect. But I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch, is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's have a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, in a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today yes I think so I think yes no Mm. no question at all I think they uh, Ron Greenwood yeah the the answer straightforward answer is yes Um, (laughs) the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that, struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. 
and there was nobody. And I've going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was. A big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great I players. You... We had some great players, of course, but without the attitude okay. alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that—that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking—if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-minded. Uh, Single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation and I think that's you completely focus you're always thinking about uh, things thinking about improvements and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful Excellent well Jeff on that point thank you very much for joining us today you're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.